You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Good afternoon. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with a special weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. A lot to talk about. A big new federal court ruling in the Hillary Clinton email issue. We get discovery into how that whole thing happened. Plus a new Judicial Watch lawsuit on the Clinton Foundation. Some big news there. And now we have these developments in Congress and on the Hill with the Mueller investigation showing that James Comey is not cooperating with Congress and Mueller is still abusing uh, the Trump team with uh, really uh, abusive indictments and plea deals and such. So I'll talk about that as well. Plus, there's a new attorney general appointment that's just been announced. So I'll give you my immediate reaction there. But first, the big news, which is uh, a major court development in the Clinton email sky. Maybe, maybe the most important development yet. Uh, Judge Royce Lamberth, the U.S. District Court judge here in the District of Columbia, essentially uh, authorized Judicial Watch to conduct significant discovery into the Clinton email issue. Uh, Judicial Watch's lawsuit uh, about the Benghazi talking points uh, in which we asked for Clinton emails was the reason we found the Clinton email scandal. Uh, It was in response to that FOIA lawsuit that the Justice Department and the State Department were finally forced to admit that they had all these emails that they hadn't told us about or the court about. And Judge Lambert is obviously upset about that. In his ruling, he says that um, he called the Clinton email scheme uh, the, let's see, let me, give it, let me give you the details here. One of the most, this is just incredible language. I have the ruling here. I want to quote him exactly. That's why I'm looking the gravest modern offenses to government transparency. And he authorized Judicial Watch to conduct discovery, and he wants a plan within 10 days about how we're going to do it. And specifically, he wants us to uh, look at discovery into uh, whether or not Mrs. Clinton's use of a private email system was designed to evade uh, the Freedom of Information Act, and whether the Justice Department or the State Department conducted uh, an adequate search for documents, and uh, whether or not um, a FOIA was, uh, let, me, let me be specific here as well, because I don't want to misstate the judge. Oh, and whether the State Department's attempts to settle the case with Judicial Watch before they told us about the Clinton emails uh, was done in bad faith. So specifically, the court found that, uh, I'll read directly here from you, for you, excuse me, with all the papers here. The parties to meet and confer to plan discovery into whether Hillary Clinton's use of a private email while Secretary of State was an intentional attempt to evade FOIA, whether the State Department's attempt to settle this case in, late to, in early 2014 and early 2015 amounted to bad faith, and whether State was adequately, uh, has adequately searched for records responsive to Judicial Watch's requests. Now, uh, Judge Lamberth is, as I told you previously, It's pretty clear he was shocked by the way the State Department conducted itself, shocked by this Justice Department. He previously expressed concern at a hearing earlier, or or I should say last month. He was, quote, surprised that the Justice Department granted immunity to Cheryl Mills, who uh, he had found had violated, uh, basically lied about another email issue 
in another Judicial Watch case. So he sees that the Justice Department's granting this person immunity, and he expressed a strong dissatisfaction with it. So in many ways, this hearing, this new ruling is not surprising. Uh, the judge said uh, in the ruling, and I encourage you to read it online. We'll provide a link to it. He cites Barack Obama's transparency directive under the Freedom of Information Act, highlighting that all agencies shall, uh, should adopt a presumption in favor of disclosures to renew their commitment to the principles embedded in FOIA and to usher in a new era of open government. And as I said earlier, the judge said that they didn't meet that. Uh, in, in this case, faced with one of the gravest modern offenses to government transparency, his state and Justice Department, Obama's, fell far short. So far short that the court questions even now whether they are acting in good faith. Did Hillary Clinton use her private email as Secretary of State to thwart this lofty goal? Was the State Department's attempt to settle the FOIA case in 2014 an effort to avoid searching and disclosing the existence of Clinton's missing emails? And has state ever adequately searched for records in this case? And what is this case? This case is about Benghazi, one of the worst scandals of the Obama administration, where they lied to the American people about the nature of the attack. They suggested it was a result of a spontaneous demonstration that somehow morphed into an attack on the consulate or the special mission compound there, when in fact they knew immediately it was a terrorist attack and they didn't want that coming out just before the election because it would have undermined President Obama's claims that, that uh, ISIS was on the run, that Obama, uh, excuse me, not ISIS at the time, ISIS was on the rise at the time, but that uh, al-Qaeda was on the run. Instead, they, they concocted this sham video story, and this is why we were in court. We're asking for Hillary Clinton's emails about that sham video story. And the judge took note of that. In fact, later in the ruling, he highlights the fact that the Benghazi was a big deal here. And he wonders whether there was a cover-up of her emails to protect them on Benghazi. Let me read you there. Citing an email uncovered by, as a result of Judicial Watch's litigation, uh, that Hillary Clinton acknowledged that Benghazi was a terrorist attack immediately after it happened. Remember Hillary Clinton sent that email to her daughter? the night of the Benghazi attacks, saying it was a terrorist attack? Judge Lamberth asked, did state know Clinton deemed the Benghazi terrorism hours after it happened, contradicting the Obama administration's subsequent claim of a protest gone awry? Did the department merely fear what might be found, or was states bungling just the unfortunate result of bureaucratic red tape and a failure to communicate? To preserve the department's integrity, and to reassure the American people their government remains committed to transparency and the rule of law, this suspicion cannot be allowed to fester. The judge excoriates the Justice Department and the State Department for their misconduct here. Um, at best, states' attempts to pass off its deficient search and its legally adequate, as, as legally, excuse me, states' attempt to pass off its deficient search as le legally adequate during settlement negotiations was negligence born out of incompetence. At worst, career, excuse me, at best it was negligence born out of incompetence. At worst, career employees in the state and justice departments colluded to scuttle public scrutiny of Clinton, skirt FOIA, and hoodwink this court. Turning his attention to the Department of Justice, Lamberth writes, the current Justice Department made things worse this current Justice Department, 
when the government last appeared before the court, and as I said, this is just uh, about a month or so ago, counsel claimed, it is not true to say we misled either Judicial Watch or the court. When accused of doublespeak, counsel denied vehemently feigned offense and averred, averred complete candor. When asked why state masked the inadequacy of its initial search, counsel claimed that the officials who initially responded to Judicial Watch's request didn't realize Clinton's emails were missing and that it took them two months to figure out what was going on. Counsel's response strained credulity. The state, the court then grants our discovery request, citing outrageous government conduct by the government. In fact, the judge judge says that this Justice Department uh, seems to have engaged in chicanery in dealing with the court. And so this is why Judicial Watch in this historic court ruling has received the permission of the court. We have to come up with a a plan with the Justice Department and the State Department uh, to get some discovery. Now, um, kudos to the court here. Kudos to Judge Lambert because he speaks, I I think it's fair to say, for millions of Americans who have been concerned about the lack of accountability and uh, the lack of full investigations into the Clinton email scandal, one which uh, has uh, ramifications on national security, ramifications on domestic policy, and ramifications about the basic uh, issue of transparency in government. Because this is one way to avoid the Freedom of Information Act, which is to create emails on a completely separate system and then run away with them when you leave office. And as I said, the only reason we know about this is because of Judicial Watch. And it's in this case that Judge Lambert wants full accounting as to what went on. So um, we're going to work hard and continue to work hard on this. And it shows you the importance of having an independent group like Judicial Watch do this. Because Congress has completely dropped the ball on the Clinton email issue. They don't want to talk about it anymore. There's not much going on there at all. And the Justice Department, as I've repeatedly told you, is on the other side. This happened under the Sessions Justice Department. It hasn't stopped with the firing of Jeff Sessions because the acting Attorney General Whitaker, his lawyers have been showing up in court opposing Judicial Watch's efforts to get information, demanding questions of Hillary Clinton be answered. As I told you earlier, Judge Emmett Sullivan, another federal court judge, ruled that she has to answer questions under oath in a written format, questions that she didn't want to answer, basic questions about her email system. Now, Judge Lambert has authorized additional discovery. Now, it's not clear what witnesses we'll be able to talk to, but we have been asking him to bring in Mrs. Clinton in and question her under oath. So I suspect we'll be asking for that again. Uh, But uh, the lawyers are going to have to figure that out with the State Department and Justice Department, or if they can't figure it out, let the court decide what happens. But this is significant discovery. It's something opposed by the Justice Department, something opposed by the State Department. And uh, so uh, it's a great victory on behalf of the rule of law and transparency. Uh, Thank you, those of you who support Judicial Watch, for allowing us to continue this work to get the accountability because we can't do it without you. So this is big news. And the Benghazi scandal's back in the news again. The Clinton email scandal's back in the news again. And as I said earlier in our uh, opening intro, 
the Clinton Foundation is back in the news because we have a new lawsuit on that as well. We sued for documents about the Justice Department effort, it looks like, to suppress the uh, Clinton Foundation issue. And I'm going to be testifying next week to the House of Representatives about the work that Judicial Watch was able to find about the Clinton Foundation. They're having a hearing next week about the Clinton Foundation. It was Judicial Watch litigation that exposed the pay-to-play schemes and activities that were taking place. Congress recognizes that, and that's why I've been asked to testify on behalf of Judicial Watch. I don't know who else is going to be testifying for sure over there, but there are new developments this week. Some uh, uh, a group of individuals have come forward with more information about what was going on at the Clinton Foundation and the possible illicit commingling of funds uh, between uh, the personal uh, uh, personal funds and expenses of the Clintons and what ought to be purely charitable and public interest expenses of the foundation. Uh, so that should be an interesting hearing. And then, then on, on top of that, uh, Judicial Watch, of course, has this additional information showing that the Clinton Foundation and the State Department worked hand in glove to try to take care of and benefit uh, Clinton Foundation donors, some of whom were very shady. So I'll be talking about that next week in Congress, so uh, be, sure, be uh, sure to tune, tune into that when it takes place. I, don't, I, I think it takes place on December 13th, so, uh, which I think is next Thursday, so be sure to tune into that. But we're still not stopping. We filed another lawsuit, this one on the shady Russiagate investigation which saw the Clinton Foundation, uh, it's not the Clinton Foundation, well, although is there a distinction between the Clinton campaign and the Clinton Foundation? I doubt it. But uh, the Clinton operation uh, working to uh, get uh, this spy operation going against the Trump uh, team back in 2016 and later. And specifically, uh, we're asking for records of FBI meetings with the Clinton DNC law firm, Perkins Coie, or Coie, it's an odd name, it's spelled C-O-I-E, in 2016. Now that was the firm that was the cutout to hire Fusion GPS that created the dossier in league with Russia intelligence that was used as a pretext and excuse to target Donald Trump. A dossier, by the way, uh, which was minimally corroborated and which was fraudulently used to get FISA warrants to spy on the Trump team. Now, according to uh, a New York, excuse me, a Fox News report, the FBI former general counsel, uh, James Baker, and the law firm met uh, just before the election in 2016. Uh, they met to discuss allegations of collusion between Donald Trump and Russia. Isn't that nice? I don't think I could get a lawyer, a meeting with the head lawyer of the FBI to talk about allegations of collusion between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department. They never called us. We had all the evidence. They never called us. But isn't it convenient they worked, well, they worked with the Clinton DNC law firm, Perkins Coy? In October of 2014, uh, October, just uh, earlier this year, Fox News reported that Baker told congressional investigators uh, that the Perkins Coy lawyer Michael Sussman 
quote, initiated contact with him and provided documents and computer storage devices on Russia hacking. The contact was made in late 2016 as federal investigators prepared, as I said, a foreign intelligence surveillance warrant to spy on the Trump campaign Carter Page, a portion of which that warrant was released to Judicial Watch as a result of our lawsuits. And as I said, this was the time that Perkins Coy also was working with Fusion GPS and this spy, Christopher Steele. Uh, the Clinton campaign and the DNC spent seven figures to fund the Fusion GPS's research through the end of 2016, or October 2016, before Election Day. And by many accounts, it looks like the Fusion GPS anti-Trump operation continued past Election Day. We know from uh, our litigation and congressional investigators that Bruce Orr, whose wife worked at Fusion GPS, another conflict of interest, was meeting with Christopher Steele, again, who worked for Fusion GPS, after the campaign as well, despite Steele being persona non grata at the FBI because of uh, leaks he was giving to the media. By the way, Steele was also paid by the FBI. So what an unholy mess. This whole Russia, Clinton, DNC, DOJ, FBI, you name it, collaboration to get Trump. And it's Judicial Watch that, again, is doing the heavy lifting to get the information out to you, the American people, so that there's transparency accountability about this scandal. And maybe we can get some legal accountability in a sense of a serious DOJ investigation going on. Now, today, as I speak, I understand that James Comey was being grilled by investigators on the Hill. The House Committee, I think the Judiciary Committee, uh, is questioning Comey. And I was over at Fox News earlier today listening to Daryl Issa report that he was frustrated because the Justice Department was telling James Comey not to answer a bunch of questions about the issues he's being asked about on all the important issues. Fusion GPS, you name it. Clinton's, you name it. And it shows you that this Justice Department really needs to be uh, reformed in a radical way. Uh, Jeff Sessions, unfortunately, was unwilling to do it. And now the president has announced the appointment, uh, and it's, he's likely to be confirmed, of William Barr. General Barr has been an attorney general. That's why I'm calling him General Barr. Uh, he was attorney general under the first president, George Bush, who uh, passed away, was buried this week. And Mr. Barr is got a, has a mighty chore for himself, and I hope he's willing to take it on, which is to bring back the Justice Department back into our constitutional system of government. As I said, ensure transparency, release the records, stop with the uh, uh, really disingenuous excuses not to produce information to, to Judicial Watch, to Congress. Congress is going to go out of that business because of the Democrats taking control of the House. They're not going to be interested in exposing Justice Department misconduct geared at President Trump. But Judicial Watch has all these FOIA lawsuits. We're facing uh, a massive stonewall from the Justice Department on this. Accountability. Is he going to hold the Justice Department accountable for the abuses of power targeting Donald Trump and, frankly, President Trump. And is there, going to be, is there going to be integrity? And integrity is important because you need a Justice Department who's going to stand up to political pressure 
to keep on keeping on with the corruption that's going on at the Justice Department in terms of the illicit targeting of Donald Trump through the Mueller operation and the associated cover-up of prior misconduct. Because what's going to happen is he's going to be confirmed, but they're going to extract the establishment, both Republicans and Democrats, are going to extract promises to protect the Mueller operation. No one's going to bring in Mueller to testify about the alleged misconduct, but they're going to put the they're going to they're going to force Barr uh, to make these absurd promises to protect Mueller. Now Barr's already being criticized. You know he seems like the establishment pick. But, you know, it doesn't matter how establishment you are for the left that's trying to destroy Trump. Any statements showing that you might have a question about the corrupt deep state attack on Trump means that you're going to be attacked. So Mr. Barr had the audaciousness to criticize Mueller for hiring so many Democrats and not one Republican, it looks like, on his team. All these were Democrat donors. I'm not aware of anyone who's given money to Republicans recently. And he also uh, supported the president's decision, it looks like, to uh, uh, fire James Comey. Outraged the left will be over that. So these modest statements showing that, oh, maybe Mueller, or at least uh, as a special counsel, ought to pretend to be fair, or, oh, yeah, the president actually runs the government, and, yeah, it's understandable he should have an FBI director he trusts and has confidence in. That's not enough for the left. So it's up to conservatives and those of us concerned for the rule of law, which include liberals like Alan Dershowitz, he's concerned about these Justice Department abuses, should be demanding something else from Mr. Barr, that he's going to be committed to cleaning house of the Justice Department, following the transparency laws. I I hope he reads Judge Lambert's decision today, who excoriates the Justice Department for chicanery. I sure hope he does. So we'll see how this turns out. But, um, you know, we don't rely on the Justice Department to do our work, Judicial Watch. We don't rely on Congress to do the work. That's why we do our own work. That's why we have this Judge Lambert's decision this week granting us discovery into Hillary Clinton. Judge Lambert doesn't trust the Justice Department to do this job. In fact, he highlights James Comey's testimony. He's not confident that the FBI did the right thing or the full investigation into what Hillary Clinton did and what the State Department did and what the Justice Department did. Because you should remember, this Hillary Clinton scandal is not just a Hillary Clinton scandal. It's a State Department scandal. It's an FBI scandal. It's, an F, it's a uh, Justice Department scandal. It's a shady corporation scandal. It's a Russia scandal. You name it. It's a national security scandal. This is why they're so protective of Hillary Clinton. If it were just about Hillary Clinton, it'd be an easy call, but it's not. It's about the way the Obama administration was run, about the way the deep state operates, and it's about the fundamental inability of this gargantuan government to follow the rule of law. And of course, President Trump came in promising to confront that, and I'm convinced more than ever that's why the deep state wants to overthrow him.
So, um, but I don't know what Congress is going to do. I don't know what the Justice Department's going to do. I don't know what Bill Barr's going to do, but I do know what Judicial Watch is going to do, and we're going to keep on fighting on behalf of the rule of law. Uh, what else is happening this week that I needed to talk about? Oh, more Mueller abuses. So General Flynn, uh, there was a filing detailing General Flynn's uh, alleged, and I say alleged because I don't buy any of it, violations of law that he pled guilty to uh, in federal court. Now, let's go back to the beginning. Flynn was ambushed. It was a setup. It was an Obama deep state targeting of General Flynn. And Mueller came in and outrageously took up the ball and ran with it. When you look at the filing, you can see why it's corrupt. It begins by noting the the publication of a Washington Post story containing illegal leaks of conversations that General Flynn had with the Russia ambassador and deep state leaks suggesting fraudulently that they somehow violate the Logan Act, a law that's never been uh, successfully prosecuted, as best I understand it. It's hundreds of years old, but it's just out there. It's not prosecuted. The law prohibits private individuals from conducting their own foreign policy. The idea that the Logan Act would uh, apply to an incoming national security advisor on the president's transition team is absurd and an obvious pretext to try to nail him. And then Peter Strzok and another FBI interview and another FBI agent, Peter Strzok, the corrupt Peter Strzok, the FBI agent who hated Trump and loved Hillary Clinton, according to those text messages, then ambushed Flynn at the White House. And numerous reports suggest, including a conclusion in the House Intelligence Committee report by Devin Nunes, that Flynn didn't lie. Now, I know he's pled guilty to lying about his communications with the Russian ambassador, which were legal and proper, and nothing untoward took place during them. But I believe he chose that route because he faced financial ruin, him and his family, and dozens of years of jail if he fought it. And then there's these other uh, charges related to the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Supposedly, he, was, he should have known or knew that he was working for the Turkish government, and he didn't file the proper paperwork. Now, this law, again, rarely enforced, only been enforced against the Trump team by this partisan Justice Department or partisan Mueller operation. I'm not even convinced the Foreign Agents Registration Act covered what, Mr., uh, what General Flynn did. So this guy, excuse me, the general, I don't believe lied and I think was unfairly targeted. Remember, Sally Yates was acting attorney general. The the anti-Trump fanatic who was acting attorney general, an Obama appointee, she's the one who was raising this Logan Act. Remember, as deputy attorney general for Obama, she would have been in a position to know about all this FISA garbage as well. And she nailed, uh, she nailed uh, General Flynn, got him fired. They didn't think he lied. Then Mueller comes in and says, well, maybe he did lie, and they forced him to plead guilty to lying. That's the way I think it happened. 
Now, we've sued for documents about that illegal leak. Again, this is all based on an illegal leak. You have Mueller putting in a, in, into this pleading a new story about an illegal classified leak designed to take out Flynn and Trump and citing it approvingly, as opposed to saying this is outrageous. We should be investigating criminally what went on here. But it was the basis to target General Flynn. I think he should be pardoned. This is an easy call. The president should pardon him. Now, Mueller didn't, given everything that I've described, it's no surprise that the Mueller special counsel operation wouldn't recommend jail time for General Flynn. I don't care that he's not getting jail time. I still think he should be pardoned and have this erased from his record. He's a good man. I don't think he lied. There's lots of elements of corruption that I've highlighted that I don't think anyone can fairly argue with. And he should be pardoned. The uh, other big issue this week, and I want to let you know about this, because I want to reassure you that Judicial Watch is on it, is this new issue of so-called ballot harvesting. Now, in California, uh, the liberals in California changed the law to uh, allow for third parties who don't know individuals to collect ballots and deliver them to polling locations or places where the votes are going to be counted. Now, the reason that's not legal, mostly, in virtually every other state in the union is because it's a recipe for fraud. It's a way to farm votes illegally, potentially. It's a way to suppress votes illegally, potentially. Say, I'll, I'll deliver your ballot, and it never gets delivered. And in, a place, and, a, and in a place like California, where you've got 300, in, for instance, in Orange County, it's largely been attributed to uh, many Republican seats flipped, and that's largely been attributed to this ballot harvesting efforts that, efforts that Democrats engaged in. Now, legally, now the law allowed it, so I don't blame the Democrats for doing it. More power to them if they're going to follow the law. Republicans didn't do it. But I think it's a bad policy and a recipe for fraud. The irony is, in North Carolina, it shows why it needs to be uh, changed. Before I leave California, by the way, in Orange County, Judicial Watch found there are 350,000 people on the rolls who probably shouldn't be on the rolls. They're either dead and ineligible to vote or otherwise moved. That's why ballot harvesting is so concerning. In North Carolina, there's an operative involved in a Republican contest in North Carolina. A Repu I think the Republican won barely by less than 1,000 votes. So one of the operatives involved was also harvesting ballots in North Carolina, except he didn't deliver them. And so Democrats are crying foul. Now, isn't it interesting now that when Democrats are the victim and the left are the victims of voter fraud, they admit there's possible voter fraud? I thought there was no such thing as voter fraud. And you can see why it's tempting in close races for both Republicans and Democrats to engage in voter fraud. Now, I think the left generally wants weak election integrity laws because uh, they do really want to be able to steal elections if necessary. But in North Carolina, it's illegal to harvest ballots for the reasons that happen, what, uh, for the very reason of, uh, for the very result that allegedly happened in North Carolina, where the guy was collecting ballots of Democrats and not delivering them, where that's the supposed concern. 
So in North Carolina, uh, someone harvesting ballots and illegally holding them back is rightly, uh, there's a concern, or let's put it this way, someone who is harvesting ballots, there's concern he engaged in fraud. And people are outraged. In California, people are harvesting ballots and everyone's saying how politically smart they are. Judicial Watch is investigating both in North Carolina and in California more specifically to make sure that the ballot harvesting did not uh, uh, encourage and induce fraud in those uh, various election contests throughout the state. So Judicial Watch has this big public, uh, excuse me, election integrity project. We already have a major lawsuit in California trying to get that state and specifically Los Angeles County to clean up its rolls where they have more people on the rolls than are eligible to vote. And as part of this effort, we're going to be examining the numbers to make sure that uh, no fraud took place in this ballot harvesting effort in California like what took place in North Carolina, supposedly. So we're, we're on top of that. So, boy, there's nothing that we're not doing. Uh, Clinton emails, Russiagate, testifying to Congress, investigating and trying to affirm the integrity of your votes and elections, and we do it with all your support. So thank you for your support, and I'll be back here next week with the latest on Judicial Watch's efforts uh, to combat and drain the swamp and uphold the rule of law and the U.S. Constitution. Thank you, and have a great week. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.